The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio. This is the Employment Law Show on Global News Radio. 708 and welcome to it. Monday night, we are ready to go. Yep, Stan is here. I am here. Skulls and uh, the phone lines are open, so we're ready for you. 416-870-6400. And bring on your calls. That is what makes the show that much better. You probably have questions that hundreds of other people are wondering as well about your workplace. Could be a simple severance question. It could be about temporary layoff. It could be a working under COVID-19. Maybe you're an employer and you've got some questions as well. It is all fair game. Bring it on here. 416-870-6400 is the uh, the way to do that. Help at employmentlawyer.ca is uh, another way to get a hold of us tonight. We'll get to some emails, a bunch of them actually, as the night goes on. But Stan, you got something going on for the week that was, pal. How are you? Good, good, John. Good to hear from you. Yeah. Uh, yes, absolutely. Some huge news from uh from the employment perspective last week where a court released a decision that clearly said that anyone who's been laid off during this pandemic is still considered to be constructively dismissed notwithstanding all those regulations that the company uh, that the government passed for the pandemic specifically so the the circumstances around this case are a bit unusual it sounds like there was a bit of a feud going on between various medical professionals who worked out of a clinic and effectively some of those medical professionals locked out other professionals from the clinic say alleging that they had owed the clinic a bunch of money um the plaintiff in this case was actually the office manager kind of cut, caught up in the middle and so she shows up to work one day and apparently and the owner is there locking out these other two owners uh who while arguing with them so she's effectively sent home and told not to worry about it Later on in May, she gets a letter that says, you know what, we're laying you off because we had to close down the clinic. Wow. So she's, she's not unemployed for very long, actually. By July 22nd, John, she finds a new position with some of those medical professionals who had been locked out of that clinic to right. begin with. Right. Okay. And in turn, she turns around and sues the original employer, which was the one that locked people out, claiming that they never had that right to lay her off to begin with and that doing so amounted to a termination so you know what's in most normal circumstances it's an easy question that we all kind of in the uh in the legal profession know the answer to you can't lay somebody off unless you have a contract that says so and and doing so in normal circumstances is always a termination if the employee wants it to be it, However, last year, the government passed those infectious disease leave of absence uh, emergency regulations, effectively. And, you know, it really murkied the water around, well, how do we interpret these when in respect to the the normal position, which is that this is always a a termination? Well, what do these regulations mean for that specifically? And in this particular case, the the employer actually felt so, uh, so strongly about its position that they brought a motion to dismiss the plaintiff's case completely, saying they, wow. the plaintiff had no grounds whatsoever that these regulations completely dis, uh, disbarred her claim and changed the law saying that she wasn't constructively dismissed 
which is ostensibly what those regulations actually, you know, attempted to say. But that's not really what the court ultimately found here, John. Mm-hmm. Now, what the court said was that these regulations had no effect, actually, on the plaintiff's common law rights. And the common law was very clear that the layoff was a constructive dismissal. And the court found this, you know, in a very simple way. It specifically looked at the Employment Standards Act, which if you look at it, there's a section right there that says, nothing in this act or any regulations accompanying this act affected an individual's civil remedies. And then it looked at the regulations and it couldn't find anything in there from the legislature that said that this was meant to affect an individual's civil remedy. And connecting the two, the court basically said, the legislature hasn't indicated that this was intended to do anything that the defendant was actually saying. And, and found that the law still applied as it always did, and this was a constructive dismissal. And so at the end of this long battle with this plaintiff, which effectively, because she had, the plaintiff had found this new job fairly quickly, was mm-hmm. a fight over about $6,000. Uh, the employer not only has to pay the plaintiff tw- the 6000 but an additional probably twenty to 30000 for the plaintiff's costs for her lawyer, as well as, you know, 30,000 on their own lawyers. Jeez. So, you know, I think there's a lot of lessons to be picked out of that portion of the case alone, which is, you know, no, no matter how, how strongly you feel about your case, you always have to be wary of the, the opposite outcome and, you know, consider it and be, it, be open to the possibility that you could be wrong and you need to factor that in when deciding what to do with your case. By the way, you want to reach out anytime to Stan or remember the team. That's uh, simple, one 821 5900 But here now, lines are open for the remainder of this show tonight. On air, 416-870-6400. Email address that we're going to go to right now is simply help at employmentlawyer.ca. Bruce is up first, says, uh, hey, Stan, I'm an office manager for a small IT company. I've been working a lot of extra hours, but when I asked my employer for OT, he told me I wasn't entitled to get overtime pay. Is that true? Well, Bruce, in your particular circumstances, it actually could be true. Uh, And it could be true for two specific reasons here, Bruce. Uh, Number one is that overtime pay doesn't apply to managers. So if you're an office manager and if by office manager, I mean a true manager in terms of managing people with real you know, management authority, not just the title that says you're a manager, uh, but all of the responsibilities and, and, and sort of duties that come with that, then the ESA actually says that you don't get overtime pay. And the second reason that could be true, Bruce, is that uh, the ESA also says that if you're an IT professional, you're not entitled to overtime pay. So despite working these extra hours, you know, you probably, by the sounds of it, don't qualify for overtime pay. Now, that doesn't mean that you're not entitled to be paid for those hours that you worked. It may not be a time and a half. It may be only at your regular rate. But depending on what your contract says, you can still be entitled to those hours at straight rate. Can his boss say, uh, you know, moving forward now, do not do this again? Can his boss tell him just not to work the extra hours? Yeah, like if you're going to try to do we don't pay overtime, nor do I want you doing this anymore. But what if he's got to get the job done? You know what I mean? Well, 
if your boss, I mean, if it depends, uh, it's obviously a question of context here, but if you're being provided with so much work that you don't have an option of working, you know, the extra hours or not to finish the task effectively, uh, in those situations, I mean, not if this individual was entitled to overtime, it doesn't matter if their company, you know, approves it or not. If the work demands of the position in, uh, require overtime from the individual, once they work those hours, they are entitled to that pay, payment. Now, you know, a company could preclude that by saying, okay, if you need to work overtime hours, come to us, talk to us, and yes. we can determine a game plan. Don't just work the hours. You know, that could create a situation where the employee needs to have that two-way discussion with the company. But they can't both give you, you know, 60 hours worth of work in a week and tell you to do them in 40. 416-870-6400. That is the number to call through tonight and ask your questions. The email address we use, uh, of course, is help at employmentlawyer.ca. We'll get Helga in here quick before we take our uh, first break. Uh, Helga says, if my manager continues to harass me at work, what can I do? I told him to stop, but he just keeps yelling and swearing at me, and it's giving me a lot of anxiety. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I'm sorry to hear that, Helga. I mean, that's uh, obviously something that shouldn't be happening in the workplace, and nor should you have to really put up with it. it there are many things you can do in that situation. Outside, uh, assuming you've already spoken to your manager and that hasn't worked, you, need, you can always speak to the human resources department and put the onus on them to do something. Uh, every company in Ontario has an obligation to maintain a, work, uh, a harassment-free workplace. So if your manager is not meeting the, that obligation, you can speak to your employer and put the onus on them to meet that obligation. Now, if your employer doesn't do anything at that point, you can go and get the Ministry of Labor involved and have them come in and do an investigation and, and, you know, whatever, and they have the power to order any number of remedies, including telling these individuals to attend uh, sensitivity and harassment training. The other thing that sounds like it's a possibility for you, Helga, is that, you know, you mentioned anxiety in your email. Uh, Obviously that's a serious medical condition depending on the severity. And so if, if you're experiencing such severe anxiety from the situation that you feel that you can't continue to be in that workplace, you can always go and speak to your doctor who can provide you with a medical note, effectively allowing you to take a medical leave of absence and not have to return until you're in a position from a health perspective where you, where you and your doctor feel capable uh, or that you're capable of doing so. So those are the, the main options I would say to to you at least to start to get yourself kind of some help and reprieve and if it's still not getting better after any of those then at the end of the day you always have the option to claim that you know this toxic workplace is a constructive dismissal it amounts to a termination and that you are entitled to your severance because of it want to take a short break get to more lots more emails on the way you send one along help at employmentlawyer.ca but the lines are open here uh, this evening on a monday night edition of the employment law show 416-870-6400 you got questions bring it on now and ask stand here to answer all of them we'll continue on global news radio
You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio. Welcome back to the Employment Law Show on Global News Radio. Welcome back indeed. 722, ready to keep going here. 416-870-6400. Phone calls, always priority when you call in. And uh, after that, we'll get to more email. Jeff, thanks for uh, coming by tonight. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Beautiful. What's uh, what's on your mind, pal? Um, I'll just start off with my, my situation right now. Um, basically, I've been put on salary and... Um, I work a lot of overtime, basically I'm about paid for 40 hours a week, and then I'm um, being uh, basically bombarded with work that's taking me about 60 hours a week. Um, currently, we don't have any programs or policies uh, to pay me overtime. Am I still entitled to this overtime pay? Or Sorry, can you, Jeff, can you say, uh, can you let me know what was your position that you said you had with the company? So um, I just actually got promoted to a, um, a site operations manager position right now, um, as of today. Um, but te- uh, previously, I was a technical lead for my company. Okay. Well, I don't know if you heard my earlier statement about managers and not and IT professionals not being entitled to overtime under the Employment Standards Act. So if you fall under either of those criteria, unfortunately, you wouldn't uh, be entitled to overtime. Now, if you okay. didn't fall into those into one of those criteria in your previous position, because I know you're a manager now, but you were saying before that uh, before that you were not a manager, correct? That's correct. Yes. That's correct. Yeah. So in that scenario, regardless of whether your company approved the overtime or not, the fact that you had to work all those hours uh, because they were giving you such a heavy workload entitles you to the overtime pay. So you can speak to your company about it and see what they say. Obviously, that it's a tricky conversation to have because, you know, on the one hand, you're demanding money for them while you're still, you know, working for them. And there's always the fear that it could lead to you losing your position, which would in and of itself be improper. Um, but yep. you do have the option of speaking to them. And then if they refuse to pay it to you, you can do a Ministry of Labor complaint for those uh, overtime hours and pay. Okay, and now I will take this advice also, and I will um, use it towards my employees as well, because they've been talking to me about their overtime and salary pay and whatnot as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah, absolutely. I mean, if, if your employees are working all those extra hours similarly to yourself, you know, there's no question they're entitled to overtime pay. Of course, you know, of course, the employer doesn't want to give it to you. It's not. It doesn't surprise me. No, no employer really does, and they don't advertise the fact that they pay overtime. But it's not up to the employer in Ontario. You know that's the law. Yep. Okay. Thanks, Jeffy. Appreciate the call. You want to uh, reach out and have a further conversation with Stan? You can. Uh, you can do so. It's one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred one eight five five. Eight two one fifty nine hundred. Get to uh, to Leah. Leah's our next email. Says, guys, I have a bonus at work that was directly tied to my performance. I know I hit a hundred percent of my target last year and should be getting a bonus. My employer is now saying that the bonus is discretionary, 
and that the company didn't do so well, so I won't be getting a bonus for 2019. Is this allowed? Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's a difficult question to answer, John, simply because we just have, you know, there's two competing factual scenarios here. One person saying, yeah, I, I hit every target. I should be getting a bonus. The employer saying, no, you didn't hit the targets and or the company didn't hit the targets and therefore you're not entitled to a bonus. Uh, the first place we would really need to look here, Leah, is at your contract and any bonus plan the company may have to determine what is it, you know, that actually defines when and where and how much you get for the bonus. Right. Is it based right. purely on your performance? Is it based potentially on the company's performance as well or a combination of the two? Uh, if it's, you know, if we're presuming that, yes, you know, it's based on your performance and you hit those targets, Leah, and you're entitled to that bonus and the employer just doesn't want to pay it, well, no, the answer is they clearly can't do that. You know, you have a contract with them that defines the terms of your compensation. One of those terms is that you're entitled to a bonus based on whatever metrics or, you know, criteria the bonus plan calls for. If you meet that criteria, then you are owed the bonus. They can't change the terms of the contract or the terms of the bonus plan after the fact, after you've already earned the bonus. They can try to change it for the next period. You know, if, if they felt like you had been overpaid, perhaps, they can try to change the criteria to, to manipulate that, but not for something that's already happened. Again, 416-870-6400, the number to call in in between phone calls, emails, uh, help at employmentlawyer.ca. Ben, Big Ben's up next, says, uh, my company put me on a performance improvement plan that I disagree with. What can I do? Performance improvement plans, I mean, the first thing to recognize, Ben, is that they're always subjective. It's always the company's perspective of your performance. That doesn't mean that they're right. You know, it doesn't mean that you're doing a bad job. Uh, there's any number of considerations there that may not have to do with your performance in general. You know, interpersonal issues with the company or things like that. Uh, the reality is that, you know, it's the company who sets the criteria for your job or for what they conceive to be your performance and goals, and they can determine whether you're meeting that or not. If they want, now, if they want to take the position that your performance is so bad, that they now have the right to let you go with four cause and not pay you anything. Well, now that's no longer a subjective uh, viewpoint. That cause is a legal standard, an objective standard. And, you know, it doesn't matter what the company thinks at that point. It's up to a judge to determine that question. And frankly, you know, the chances of actually having cause based purely on performance are extremely low. It's a very difficult position to try to actually uh, substantiate in court but if but beyond that the cause context i mean if the company puts you on a performance improvement plan you can tell them you don't agree but ultimately you just have to listen to the you know to what the directions of the company and try to meet the goals that they're laying out for you as part of this improvement plan Anything you don't agree with or any rebuttals, uh, this this should not be verbal ever, right? You should be writing this down and keeping record of it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you always want to, you know, especially if you feel like the company is ma making factual assertions that you don't agree with or are not, you know, factual in, from your perspective, you always want to create the evidence in, on, in writing, on paper, electronically, uh, in case, you know, 
there is that scenario where the company is relying on this conduct as cause, you're going to need to show that you have some evidence rebutting their positions and explain to them that, no, you don't agree with it, uh, that you don't accept it. But nevertheless, you know, you recognize that they're the company and you'll do your best to try and meet the, the goals and the uh, outlined by the company and the plan. Again, 416-870-6400. That is for your phone calls to call through for the remainder of the show tonight and ask your questions. If there's something you've uh, been thinking about, you're scratching your head over, maybe it's for someone else, maybe for a family member, just call Stan here to answer those. 416-870-6400. Lisa is uh, up next. Like this one, I was let go after 30 years at my position. My employer has basically told me I could stay on for the next six months while I look for something else but has not otherwise mentioned any severance. Is this all I am entitled to? I mean, there's no question after 30 years that Lisa's going to be entitled to a lot more than six months of the working notice that her employer may, may or may not realize he's actually giving to her. Uh, a lot of times I find, John, that you know, in situations like Lisa, it's not so much that the employer is being malicious or trying to screw the employee over. And more so that they're just not sophisticated employers, that they don't know what their obligations are. Uh, but irrespective of that, you know, an employee, employer's obligations and employee's entitlements are what they are. In Lisa's case, I, I think it's pretty clear she's getting anywhere from 20, 24 months based on the 30 years of service alone. And so if she's been let go with only the six months of working notice, She's owed a lot more than that, and Lisa, you should give us a call at the office and to see what we can do for you. Lisa, you know that number. Well, if you don't, 30 years is one heck of a long time for sure. It's one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. 821 the way to get through. Haley is up next as we get another call lined up here. It says, uh, guys, I was laid off from work for the first time in my seven and a half years with them. My boss told me he wasn't sure when he can bring me back, so I'm not sure what to do. Well, Haley, I mean, as I as I mentioned at the top of the hour with uh, the week that was right now, you know, it's clearer than ever what you need to do, which is if you don't want to accept those terms, regardless of the pandemic, uh, regardless of whatever state that the company is in, you know, they don't have the right to lay you off. And, and doing so gives you that right to turn around and claim it's a termination and you're entitled to your severance. Still getting that call lined up here. Haley, hope that helps. If not, you can uh, make the phone call, 1-855-821-5900. Where are we going now? Lauren. Lauren is up next. My employer asked me to sign a contract for the first time, and I've already been working there for two and a half years. Do I have to sign this contract? Yeah. Based on the circumstances that you're describing, Lauren, I would say you don't have to sign that contract. Um, for any contract in Ontario to be legally binding, both parties have to derive some kind of benefit from that contract. And, and so if your employer is introducing a contract with new terms into the employment relationship where you've, you know, notwithstanding the fact that you don't have a written contract, Lauren, you do have a contract of employment with your employer. Mm-hmm. It could be, it's, you know, it's oral and it's implied, but it does exist. So by that, by the employer now asking you to sign something with probably new and much more onerous terms, you without giving you anything more for it, you know, frankly, that contract wouldn't be enforceable whether you signed it or not. Uh, 
even if your employer is offering you something like a raise, uh, like a more vacation, you don't have to ex necessarily accept that and sign that contract. If you, you know, remember you have a contract right now, you're currently employed, you're always able to tell the employer, I'm happy with my current situation and the terms of my contract, and I don't want to sign anything further. And, you know, your employer basically will have to accept that. 416-870-6400 is the number we got. Uh, Chris, hey, Chris, thanks for standing by for a uh, for a moment. Good evening. How are you? I'm doing well, thanks. How about yourself? Good stuff. What's, uh, what's on your mind? Yeah, just a two-part question. So I'm a full-time employee, and uh, generally I find uh, I'm working past 40 hours. Sometimes I'm working 45, 50 hours, depending on the on the work I'm doing. I've been told by, by my employer that uh, if I, w I only get paid overtime if I work beyond 44 hours. Uh, I was under the assumption that anything beyond 40 hours is deemed for overtime. So I want to clarify, is that true? That those additional four hours that I'm putting in, I'm not getting paid for, and I'm only uh, going to get paid past 44 hours? That's my first question. Second question yeah. is, if I'm not seeing um, any cultural diversity in the workplace in terms of I'm not seeing any uh, inclusion in leadership positions, I'm a bit concerned about that. Uh, considering I'm looking for a career growth within the organization I'm working for, at what point should I raise those concerns, if any? Uh, you know what, what I'm seeing in, in the environment I'm working in. Mm -hmm. Well, firstly, uh, with respect to your first question, Chris, about the overtime, your employer is actually you know telling you the truth. There, it, you are only entitled to overtime past 44 hours a week. So, if you're working 42 hours a week, technically speaking, that's doesn't fall into the realm of paying you overtime yet. Uh, in terms of your second question, I mean, that's a, it's a difficult question because I, I don't think there's a necessarily a legal answer to it. Because, you know, technically speaking, there's no legal requirement for an employer to be, to have a diversified workforce. I mean, certainly there's a lot of good reasons why you would want to choose to do that as an employer, but you're not, by no means is the government going to force you to do that. Now, if you're being restricted from leadership positions because of your ethnicity or some other factor like that, well, that could be a human rights violation in and of itself, because that's clearly discrimination. But if outside the context of something like that going on, I mean, if this is just an ignorant employer in the sense that, you know, they're not looking at diversity as a, as a, um, specific goal in their workforce, again, I, I don't think there's anything from a legal perspective you can do about that. Chris, you still there? Oh, yes, I'm still here. I was listening. Okay, yeah. okay thank you for uh, answering my questions. Thank you. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate that and appreciate your time as well. 416-870-6400 is the, uh, the way to call in for the remainder of the show. You still got some time. Still got some time. Jamie's up next on email. Says, my company is telling me that they are closing my location and are transferring me. I will uh, now have to drive an extra one and a half hours each way to get to and from work. Really don't want to drive so far, but my boss is saying it's either that or I resign. Wow. Yeah, uh, that's obviously a difficult situation for Jamie and very unfair. I mean, what I, it seems fairly clear to me, John, that forcing an employee to drive an extra hour and a half each way 
uh, just to get to the same job they've been doing for a long time is not something that any employee should be forced to do. And, and the law around that is also very clear that, you know, giving subject to the distance, certainly in this case, I would say an hour and a half is, is, is a substantial distance and more than likely qualifies. But again, you can't just force an employee and change the terms of their contract by making them go to a new location against their will, frankly. And again, that ultimately allows the employee to say, no, I, I don't agree to that change. I, I'm not agreeing to these new terms. And I'm treating this, you know, this direction from the company that I have to go to this new location as a termination, as a constructive dismissal. 416-870-6400. And Sonny, good evening. How are you? Good evening, guys. How are you today? I'm good. Thank you. Good, man. What's on your mind? So I'm, this, this is a long-winded question. It's a long-winded story, actually. But it's something that happened at the beginning of the pandemic. So almost a little bit more than a year ago now. I'm not sure if I even have any more rights to fall back on at the, at the moment, but I'd still like to pose the question or the scenario. Um, sure. I work for a technology sales company um, as a technology sales rep. And what we did was we sold all sorts of technology that are utilized in schools, to schools and education. Um, what ended up happening was I had worked for that company for about two and a half years. And then the pandemic hit. And in the first couple of weeks of March going into the end of March 2020, I was let go. Uh, the, the reasoning was kind of vague to me, but on the phone conversation that I was having with the manager at the time, I had mentioned, and I'm, I'm kind of just an apologetic Canadian, I, I apologize for not performing as well as I should have. The next, the next words threw me off. It wasn't performance-based as to why I'm being let go. It's because of the times. Those are the exact words he used. And I understand that and, or understood that as, okay, COVID is not allowing this company to make as much money. They do work in the technology sector in education, so they have to let people go. I was given my severance, the two and a half weeks pay, but I'm not sure if they were even allowed to do that to begin with. Okay. Well, firstly, did you, when you were given the severance, did you sign any documents uh, giving away any rights? You know, did you sign anything we would call – usually it would be something called a – a release. So I was given a termination letter, but I did not have to sign anything. Okay. Well, so if, firstly, I think you're asking whether it was legal for the company to lay you off in that kind of way. Uh, yes. And, and yes. yeah, so it, with respect to that question, you have to remember that, you know, the default position in Ontario is that any employer can lay off any employee or terminate it, sorry, any employee as long as they pay them a fair severance and as long as it's not the reasoning for doing so is not discrimination. So the fact that they laid you off and terminated you effectively, you know, that's within the company's power, inherent right to do so. Now, that doesn't mean that they necessarily, but from the sounds of it, it doesn't mean that they paid you a fair severance because uh, two and a half weeks to me sounds extremely low. And the fact that they didn't ask you to sign anything also implies that you haven't actually given up your rights to do anything about it at this point. So, you know, you're, it's certainly not too late to do so. You have two years from the time of termination to fight uh, to fight for your rights and start a lawsuit. So, uh, you know, Sonny, I would encourage you to give us a call at the office and have a consultation with a lawyer who can give you a better analysis of what you're actually entitled to and what your options are at this point. 
Perfect. I, I actually just did that. I called I called the, the number that was uh, I think your uh, office number left my name yep. and my phone number as well. So I'll be I'll be talking to someone, I think. <laughs> that's that's Thanks, perfect. Sonny. Yeah, somebody else. Yeah, really, uh, really well. It's a, got a bit of a weird connection tonight, but uh, thanks, Sonny. Appreciate that, pal. And uh, you do know the number because I just gave it to you, and the email is help at employmentlawyer.ca as well. I want to get to one more quick email here, uh, or at least maybe a couple anyway. Uh, James. James says, I just started working for a new company. I've been asking them to provide me with an employment contract for the last two weeks, but the HR person keeps putting this off. Do they have to provide me with an employment contract? Ooh, keep it keep it quiet, James. Keep it quiet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, James. I mean, uh, be careful what you wish for because right. really, you know, as an employee, the best position you can be in is to have no contract. Uh, again, that doesn't mean that you don't have any sort of you know contract to your employment relationship. It just means that it's implied and it's an oral contract. Uh, written contracts are not necessarily there to protect employees. They're mostly there to protect companies. So keep that in mind when you speak to the company. You don't need a written contract. If they, if you've started your job, you, if you know what you're getting paid, if you know what you're there to do, if you know what your hours are and where you need to be, that's pretty much all you kind of need to know at this point. The rest of those terms, you know, it, it's, it's more or less implied, and yeah. in which case they're much more favorable to you. Or, you know, the other ones in that contract, you probably don't want them there to begin with. Let's get to one more here. Charlene's email. We'll probably wrap it up for the night, I would imagine. This is another one that's just a big bull of wrong. She says, uh, my employer of the last 37 years told me he's retiring and shutting down the business completely at the end of this month. He told me I'm not entitled to anything because I'm over the age of 65. Is that true? Uh, absolutely not. I mean, that's not only is not that not true. Uh, it sounds like age discrimination based on the based on this individual's age, and she's certainly entitled to a lot more than you know the the month of notice that her employer has decided to give her. I mean, from the sounds of it, although the business is shutting down, you know, there's no indication that the business is going bankrupt. Uh, it sounded like the employer was just retiring and. You know, taking all of the, you know, their hard-earned and I'm sure very hard-earned uh, profits and retiring into to, into the sunset. But that doesn't mean that you can walk away from your legal obligations and you certainly can't just walk away from an employee that you've had for as long as Charlene. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, she's entitled to a fair severance. And after 37 years, that's going to be a significant severance, up, upwards of 20 to 24 months. So, Charlene, I would definitely encourage you to give us a call at the office because you are not being treated fairly by your employer and are entitled to a lot more than what you're being provided with. Yeah, I think a lot of people are still under the impression that there is a, you know, quote unquote, mandatory retirement age of 65, which has not been the case for like 15 years, right? Yeah, I, I mean, that's hasn't been the case in most, you know, that was, I think, until 15 years ago, there was very specific uh, circumstances in which you could have mandatory retirement. You know, the last one that I'm aware of was in the firefighters department mm. where, you know, there's at least some plausible connection between older age and the, and the ability to do the job. And sure. even in that scenario, the courts have basically said, no, you can't make that association anymore. You know, yeah. we're all judged as individuals and everyone should be judged for their fitness to continue in their job 
you know, based on their personal circumstances, not just based on some, some magic number that they've happened to live on earth that long yeah. for. And with that, we are just about out of time for tonight. We uh, come back here and do it again Wednesday night at uh, 7 o'clock. As you know, the weekend shows as well. You want to reach out to Stan now and a member of the team. No problem. 1-855-821-5900, the phone number. The website, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca is excellent as well. Then finally, the email, which we've been using tonight already, help at employmentlawyer.ca. That's it for the Employment Law Show. Stand by. Don't go anywhere. On Point with Alex Pearson coming right back. This is Global News Radio.